What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host Ken Milam and John Swan as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. He's playing on his phone. Gotta play on my phone. That's where all the emails are at. So we know we know who to talk about. Oh, okay. Who to give shout outs to and mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. We got several of them this week, actually. Several different emails that came I in. was thinking, did you run that? Did you put that on anywhere? No, I did not. Okay. Um, Ken, uh, Ken got such a kick out of everybody's response to him ad-libbing and, and creating songs on the fly uh, last episode that uh, he he sat down and he came up with a whole slew of different songs oh, yeah. that he could change the lyrics to to be B-related. Oh, we have a bunch of them. And uh, I woke up that morning to several emails and audio files and things and uh i got to laughing at it and i said well i have to go see if i can find some karaoke versions of these songs that don't have the words and then mm-hmm. we can put your lyrics over the top of the beat to the music we can do that and uh so those will when we figure that out we'll probably have to put out some sort of video on uh, facebook and in instagram because i don't think you can do just an audio file on instagram um so we'll, we'll come up with some sort of little short one minute video clips once we get all that done and we'll we'll give you guys some of uh key key <laughs> i can't talk now mm-hmm. da, da, da. we'll give you guys some of ken's redneck versions of uh bee themed songs where he has gone and and completely corrupted a regular song <laughs> let's see the drone song the drone song i think that was you said the one you wanted to do Eminem. over Eminem's. uh what was the name of that one i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> I just got to well, listen to it again. It was, and go it was an Eminem song. He's going to switch it around. So it was uh, the drone version of that. And um, he got one chance. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then he was going to switch around who let the dogs out. And he that's one of the audio ones that he actually sent me was who let the bees out. And so we've got a, a who let the bees out version. <laughs> buzz, 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 yeah. buzz, 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 yeah. um, <laughs> Who let the bees out? Buzz, 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 buzz. <laughs> Who let the bees out? Buzz, buzz, buzz. Who let the? <laughs> Who made the queen comb? <laughs> <clears throat> so, on that note, actually, um, we're going to do a shout out here really quick. It is technically, it is my mom's birthday today. So we're going to say, happy birthday, Mom! Um, but uh, technically, since how we record this on Saturday, then it comes out on Monday, so she's going to be listening to it after. I guess we'll have to say, uh, happy belated birthday. <laughs> happy belated birthday, Mom! Belated birthday. Belated. <laughs> so happy birthday, Mom! Happy birthday, Mom! <laughs> all right, so all uh, country redneck songs aside... Today we are gonna we're gonna talk about robbing, mm-hmm. and robbing can be a problem. Really, I mean, it, it you have the potential for robbing all year round, mm-hmm. but there are certain times of the year that robbing can be far more dangerous and happen far quicker than you would necessarily think. And during the dearth, like the summer dearth, when there's no flowers blooming, there's no nectar going on. Right now, that is usually a big problem. Mm-hmm. And then right now, when winter is setting in. It is also another big problem because if it is warm enough for the bees to be out foraging and everything, but yet you don't have any fall flow or you don't have any flowers in your area, the bees are desperate. 
And in addition to the bees, the yellow jackets are desperate. So the yellow jackets right now will be taking advantage of your colonies if they can. If you have it open, they'll happily land literally right inside the colony and try to start taking some of the syrup. But they really want the brood and they really want the bees and they will catch a bee. They will chew its head off and then they will eat the body and take it back to the nest and regurgitate that in for their larva. They're currently trying to raise the queens for next season. So they're very, very, very prevalent and destructive at this time of year. And then the honeybees themselves are also desperate for food. This Mm -hmm. is the last mile. This is the last stretch where they can get in the last little bits of food that they might possibly need to fill up their combs and have enough to hopefully make it through the winter. And anything is fair game. So if you're going out there and you're inspecting your colony and you have it open for more than 10 minutes, you're going to already be potentially attracting the attention of other critters. And if you accidentally spill any sugar syrup when you're going to feed your colony, you're absolutely going to cause a situation that could turn into a crisis. If you're opening the colony and you're pulling frames out and you rip a frame of honey, literally that scent of that open honey hits the air, and within minutes, there's going to be a bee there. That bee's immediately going to go back and tell its sisters, and its sisters, instead of coming, oh, 10 come back or 50 come back, like hundreds of them are going to come at once, because that's the only food source, and they're opportunistic. That honey is already ready to go. We just have to take it, put it back in a cell, and cap it. We don't have to dehydrate it. We don't have to do anything to it. It's the best thing we can do, so they will come for it. And um, I have a story from this uh, this last week. Ken has a story mm-hmm. from from his as well. Yesterday, and uh, both of them involve robbing. Mm-hmm. So we'll, I'll let you go first. Well, you know, on the nuke that I got from a friend, um, you know, it was a it was a good nuke. There was lots of bees in it, and I moved it into an eight frame, and also I put a frame of full frame of honey well I'll put yeah. two in there we put a couple uh, of those extras right. that we had saved from Taking the other out colonies of the, yep. the, the, the hives that were honey bound so anyway put one of those in there and as we was checking max was pulling frames out and i'm on one side and he's on the other side and he's looking at the front side and i'm looking at the back side i says wow look at this look how they ripped the ripped the uh the comb open and get to the honey i said that he said that had to be robbed and it was because a cow had come along or or something had come along and i guess smelled the sweet in the top feeder that's i had put a top feeder on that eight frame and moved it just a little bit it's open about an inch and a half maybe a little more and i could i when i saw it i straightened it up but i knew the bees were all trying to go in the back side of it, and they were robbing. Mm-hmm. And when we opened it up and looked, sure enough, they were robbing it and caught it in time. I don't know how long it had been opened, but they had taken about a quarter of a frame on one side, had ripped it open. And when you guys put it all back together, what did you notice on the back side of it? They were still back. The bunch of the bees were coming in, but they were fighting. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were fighting. The other bees were fighting them. See, now that is a, that's a good indication when you can tell that the true honest-to-God robbing is going on. Because sometimes, especially in the spring, we'll get a lot of people that will mistake orientation flights for robbing. 
Mm -hmm. and I'll start getting phone calls and I'll start getting messages and videos and be like, oh my God, I think my hive's getting robbed. And they'll show me the video and all it is, is is the orientation flights. And so if you watch the bees and you watch the patterns and watch what's going on, orientation flights, especially if there's a heavy flow going on and the bees are bringing in lots of pollen or lots of nectar, there'll be a lot of activity at the front of it, but it's, there's method to it. Mm -hmm. So if you go through and you watch the orientation flights, the bees come out and they do this pattern, but it's it's a very almost zen kind of pattern. They come out and they do these little mini tornado figure eights and they, they start from the entrance and they go up and then they come back to the entrance and then they go up higher. And if you look in front of the colony, you see that little mini tornado of these little bees spinning in figure eights that just kind of rises and falls very gently. But then at the entrance itself, you'll have a lot of coming and going because the adult bees are still going through and, and bringing in resources. When they do that, you can tell the bees that live there. Because they come in, and if they've got nectar and pollen both, mm-hmm. they're very heavy, loaded down. They've been flying a long way. They come in, and they may be heavier than they anticipate, and so they may land with a thud and then run to the entrance. Or they may miss the the entrance and kind of dip below it and then have to come back up and run in. Or they'll go straight for the hole. Then they don't hesitate. They land, and they go straight in. That is all normal behavior. But when you see bees that are flying side to side, especially if there's multiples and they're flying in unison, in pattern, Mm -hmm. and they're coming up towards the front and they're flying side to side looking. They don't know where the entrance is. What they're doing is trying to find the opening or Mm -hmm. find a weak spot in your colony. And if that's going on in weird places where there's not an entrance, like the back of the colony that you look at, those bees do not live there. Those bees are robbing bees. They're looking for an opportunity to get in. And if they can find it, it's on. That's why it's very important right now to make sure you don't spill anything, make sure nothing is left exposed, clean up after yourself as quickly as you can, and make sure your entrances are reduced down to a small entrance. Now, coming into winter, that needs to be that way anyway, because the cold air, you don't want that coming in. You want a very small space for them to guard, and you want a very small space for any air to come in and go out so that they can control what they need and not, you know, just have it wide open. So if you've still got the whole front of your entrance on any Langstroth 8-frame or 10-frame box and it's still wide open, you need to put your entrance reducer, that wooden bar that come with the box, right. you need to put that back in there. And preferably on the one-inch entrance. It doesn't matter if your colony is huge. It's wintertime, one-inch entrance. It helps them protect it. It helps keep the the robbing and stuff down, and it's going to help with the airflow and stuff. So that is the main thing to kind of watch for. But when this robbing happens and when it starts, Mm -hmm. it can escalate drastically out of control. Mm -hmm. At the very least, you're going to lose some bees in fighting, and you're going to lose some resources. At the worst, the robbing colony could literally overpower your colony and possibly steal all of their food stores and or kill them and weaken them to the point where no matter what happens, they're not going to be able to survive the winter. So you definitely want to make sure that you keep that in check whenever this time of year is going on. Anytime you do see robbing, there are things you can do. So number one, obviously reduce reduce that entrance down as small as you can get it. They do make little gadgets and apparatuses called robber screens that you can put on. And the point of a robber screen is to... Make it to where the bees that live there, when they come out, they're going to have to navigate along this screen and find the new opening. And that the some of the screens are made to where you can change where the opening is, mm-hmm. but it's basically it hooks on the front of your hive. They can still come out their original entrance, but then they can't get out, and they've got to find a way over, and it's usually off to the side and up at the top for them to come out. Now, once they come out there, 
they then know, well, this is how I got out. So this is how I'm going to get back in. But the robbers that were focusing on that area, they're going to hit the front of that screen and they're not going to be able to get into the hive, which is then going to buy your colony time. So that's one of the things that you can do if you have the robber screen. If you don't have a robber screen and you notice your colony is getting robbed out, one of the things that you can do in an emergency situation is get a towel or a sheet and make it get it wet and put that over the top of your colony. This is a better idea when it's hot in the summertime, like during the summer dearth, because the wet sheet isn't going to really affect anything. But by putting that wet sheet over the colony, what you've done is you've reduced the pheromone smell and you've reduced the smell of the honey or the sugar syrup so that the other colonies are not then going to come in and, and be able to just straight up rob that out. Um, so that's, that's another method that you can go through and do. You can change the orientation of the hive. Um, you can change where the entrance and stuff is, or, or again, reduce that entrance down. There's lots of little tricks and things that you guys can find online on how to go through and stop that, but it's not necessarily just a one day thing either. So on your colony, when they came out and they had found that there was that opening and they were able to sneak in the back, you can, uh, you can then go through and turn around and close it up. But the next day, those bees are still going to come back and they're going to check again. So you don't just want to clever it up for that, you know, hour or two hours and then think you're good and open it back up because it, that's not long enough. You want to leave that on for several days and make sure that the other bees have given up and gone away before you turn around and go back in there. On the hives that were honey bound? Uh, the two big, the the two two, big the ones. The full-size colonies you bought. Yeah. Oh, by the way, John told me, he says, Ken, you probably want to start using some eight-frame hives because <laughs> Max and I both kept trying to convince you and I finally when I tried to pick up that that full 10 frame I'm sitting there damn and you know one of those 10 one of those both of them were honey bound both of them were sharp bees and we took four combs of the full draw the 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 brood comb the deep ones the capped, took, honey. The capped yeah. honey we took that out froze it to use wherever we need to and then we put four full combs, or empty combs, back in there. And you said there was probably five or 600 bees in that one? Maybe. There wasn't a lot. There are thousands in there now. Yeah, and that was the hope. We hoped if we gave them open, empty space, because when we first looked, even the comb that had the tiny little patch of brood on mm -hmm. it had open liquid and everything. So there was nowhere else for that queen to lay, and that colony was shrinking drastically, mm -hmm. and, and they would have been in dire trouble. So we went through and took out those four frames of capped food and replaced them with four frames of drawn, empty comb, hoping that the queen would then move over into those and be able to start laying before the bees then filled it back up. And apparently it worked. Yep, it worked. Both of them. Very good. Both of them worked well. And now, will I, I need to still probably, next time you're up, we open them up again or no? Well, yeah, I'll, I may go through them just because I want to see right. um, how they look, especially compared to, you know, my, my last visual image of them mm -hmm. was when they were not so great. Right. And so well, I want to, they are now. Yeah. I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see that switch and just have the peace of mind and knowing that going into winter, they're good to go. So when we opened the top up, we just put, took the inner cover, you know, the, the, the hive top and the inner cover off. And I says, Wow, Max says, there's a lot of bees in here. We don't need to go any further. I says, no, John's going to ask me what was in the brood box. <laughs> really? I says, yeah. And when they propolize they the do. hives together, yeah. 
I mean, you have to almost have a hammer to get them apart. Yep. We got in there. We finally all got it apart, and we slid it across, and they was they, in that brood box. They was thousands of them up there looking at us. Okay, we're going to eat you now or later? <laughs> so we set it back down, slid it back on top, and yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of bees in there. Now, the, the propolis that you're talking about, that that is crucial. It's it's good in so many ways for the bees because it is, it's part of their immune system. Mm-hmm. It's antimicrobial. It's antifungal. You know, it, it goes through, it's antibacterial. And so it, it helps sanitize everything. It helps keep them healthy. The more of it that they have inside their colony, the actual healthier the colony is. But they also use it to glue everything shut. Yes, and they do. And that's how they winterize things is because that stuff is is glued. Now, in the summer when it's hot, it's like tar. Mm-hmm. And if you get it on anything, you don't get it back mm-hmm. off. I mean, it will permanently bonds to your clothes, to your skin. But in the wintertime, when it's cold, it's brittle. And so when you're going through and you're trying to literally, when they say crack your boxes, that's what's happening. You put that hive tool between two boxes and you wrench it and no, you hear you, it goes you snap. Crack them. Yeah, it, it snaps. That's the propolis breaking. Yeah. I actually had a client of mine, uh, one of the newer um, consultation and and training clients, reach out to me just yesterday, and she was like, hey, um, this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and, you know, know, she's giving me an update on that specific aspect of it, but then she was like, my other colony, they're they're closing off all the entrances, like, I don't know what's wrong with them, are they okay, like, what's going on, (laughs) and I started laughing, I was like, no, that's perfectly normal, that is a healthy colony. That is going through, and they're literally propolizing everything shut, closing it up, including ready the, for winter. Yeah, including the entrances, and they will take. It'll almost look like like a leather almost because they'll take in the propolis, but they'll mix it with wax, and they'll build solid walls. I really? mean, I have seen things the size of my hand that they'll build this dome out around the entrance on the mm-hmm. inside, and then they'll leave one or two little holes that's literally big enough for one bee to come in and out. <laughs> and that's how they'll close it down so they can guard it and so it keeps the, the cold air and stuff right. from coming through. And then in the spring, they'll turn around and they'll start chewing on that and they'll open it back up. And then you'll just have a little bit of propolis kind of half curves on the edge, but the whole main part's open. And then that next year, they'll do the same thing. They'll fill it back in and they'll draw it back around and kind of envelop it so <laughs> they can keep it closed. But that was uh, that was one of the neat little things, though. You know, she got to see that. But at first, she didn't know what was going on. She just, there was this solid wall of goo that had suddenly been built around the entrance. Um, but that was her colony, you know, looking out for itself, trying to narrow everything down. And I told her, you know, go ahead and make sure your reducers are in place and make sure everything's good to go. But her colony was preemptively, is like, hey, look, it's that time of year. We need to start shutting the windows, closing everything up. Yep, they're getting ready for wintertime. And... Now, I am going off on another tangent. On the nuke that I got, it put an eight frame, and the the rock hive. Just looking at the bees, why is one, all the bees, so much smaller than the other one? Well, there could be multiple reasons for that. Different. It, It could be genetics. It could be the season of the bees, too. So... That one nuke that you got Mm -hmm. was originally a removal hive. Yes. And so when they went through and they did the removal, obviously you don't know the genetics of that. Could be Texas. Well, I mean, we're just going to say they're Texas redheaded mutts because we don't know. Without sending them in for actual testing, genetic testing, you can't honestly say they are testy. I will tell you that they are testy. So (laughs) they come out and want to eat you. Here's the here's the thing though. If you put a pure 
bred European honeybee mm-hmm. next to an Africanized honeybee, mm-hmm. visually, you cannot tell the difference. Really? You have to actually dissect the bee, send really? it in, and look at it under a microscope and measure the segments to truly find out, is that bee Africanized or not? Now, if bees are raised in smaller comb, mm-hmm. the bee will be smaller. If bees are raised in bigger comb, the bees will be bigger. Not We're not talking drone comb versus worker comb. We're, we're just talking the, the actual cell size can vary little bits, right? Uh-huh. The other aspect of that is coming into winter, when they start raising the brood that they raise in September, October, and November, those are the ones we call winter bees or, quote-unquote, fat bees. And the fat bees literally have more fat deposits in their body, so they are visibly larger Yes. Than the summer bees. Okay. The summer bees don't need that fat reserve because their whole purpose in life is just to go forage and come back. They're a workhorse. The winter bees, their purpose in life is to be able to have enough energy reserves that they can survive three vibrate. or four months instead of just six weeks. And they vibrate to generate that heat to mm-hmm. keep the colony warm. So it could literally be that the rock hive has a lot of health and nutrition and they've been able to raise really healthy, fat winter bees. Mm-hmm. And the removal hive still has a lot of the bees left over from summer, which are smaller bees. They're little bees. Yep, they are little. So it could be that. It could also be what you said. It could also be that the genetic strain of them, be it Africanized or not, mm-hmm. may be just a little bit smaller. But you can't you can't go can't by that. count on that. Yeah, you can't go okay. by that. Okay, I see that. But, I mean, you can start adding things together. You can say, well, they look a little bit smaller, and they're a little bit more testy, and this, 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 and this. Um, now, I think I remember where she got that colony from. Um, upside to it is, I believe it was inside the structure of they a were house. In a structure. And it wasn't yeah. down in the ground in a water meter. No, if it was down in the, in the ground, I would tell you right off the bat, they yeah, they probably yeah, are. Yeah. Um, now, the, the other, the downside to that, that would be the upside. At least mm-hmm. they came from a higher structure. Mm-hmm. Downside is, I don't know that they got requeened. And technically, in certain areas, like in... We will requeen them. Oh, yeah, no, no, we're going to. Next spring. (laughs) But technically, in areas up here, it is a strong, firm-handed suggestion by the Apiary Inspection Mm -hmm. Service that you must requeen a colony, especially if you do not know the genetic lineage if you got it from a removal. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that happened. No, it didn't. In other areas, like in Florida... Um, Amber, one of our listeners down there, she's been going through and doing a few rescue things. And down there, it is mandated. You absolutely must. If you don't, you're a violation of the actual beekeeping ordinances and laws. And that's because, just like us, they have a lot of issues with Africanized genetics. Mm -hmm. And so our thing, the way that I take it and I do it for my business, we'll get a lot of people that will ask us, hey, you know, like, do you have any removal colonies that you'll sell? Or if I'm doing a removal from a place, they'll be like, hey, can we have those bees? And the answer is always no. Oh, hell no. I have to take them. I do not know where they came from. I have to make sure they have no pests, they have no parasites, they have no diseases. And then I have to be able to guarantee the genetic lineage of that bee, which means I have to requeen it with a known stock. Once it's been requeened, it needs to then make it through the winter and make sure that it can survive and everything's good. After that winter, now the next year, things can change. I could sell that colony off. I could use it as a honey producer. I could break it down into nukes and then create nukes and grow those and requeen those with genetic stock that we know. But the first year, no, you can't have that colony. And it's against both my moral code and the code from the Apiary Inspection Service to do that. I don't want to give you a bee that could turn into, you know, Satan's little demons. Right. And you have it in your backyard and it hurt your kids or your pets or your neighbor's kids or their pets. So it's all about responsible beekeeping in that regard. Right. 
And, and again, Amber's sent multiple messages where she said, hey, we're going out and we're doing this. I think I can still get queens, but I, I can't necessarily right now. So should I do this removal now or should I not? Because down here, I absolutely have to have that colony requeened because well, you don't know where they came from. So it's it's a trick. I know that uh, that queen, you know, when I took them out of the nuke, they was probably... Double he's, handful he's of doing bees. His, yeah, he's doing the, his hands cut. I got pretty big hands, but they were still, <laughs> say, a size, a ball as big as a grapefruit. There you go. Visual representations yeah. of ball you know, as sporting big as equipment and fruits. Now that ball is as big as two grapefruit. Okay. So once I put them in a larger, gave them more area. They had open comb they could go through and, yeah. Yes. They had new, they new space that they could spread into and the queen could raise more and babies and stuff in there. there's cat brood in there now. Uh, eggs. Everything in there. And but that's the one that also got robbed. So I'm going to probably look at that or go to feeding them hard or see if I need to take that frame out and put another frame in, throw another frame out. I'll see what we're going to do with it. I'm going to probably wait on you to tell me what to do with that one. But then on the rock hive, I was wondering. So just just a, an FYI, mm -hmm. just fun fun facts here for everybody. The <laughs> If you're looking at a deep Langstroth frame, there's roughly 4,500 cells one per, side? per side. So one deep frame has 4,500 cells. A medium frame has about 3,100 cells, so and that's per side. So when you're looking at at a colony, so a pound of bees is about 3,000 bees, right? Uh -huh. So when you get a package that's three pounds of bees, that's roughly 9,000 bees that are going in to start your colony. Right. So when you look at your frames, a one-frame, two-sided, solid-capped brood is going to net you almost the exact same amount of bees as a package of bees. And that's on one frame. So if you can get that colony that we looked at where we gave them the extra frames and they right. only had maybe a few hundred bees in there, yeah. well, you give them those four empty frames and they're able to go through and, and got fill thousands. them all up. Exactly. Even one frame full jumps you up almost to a 10,000 mark if all of them are, are completely full. You add in several more frames, and she's able to raise those. Now you're getting closer to that 20,000 mark, which oh, yeah. is a real happy number to overwinter with. Yeah, 30, would, 30 would be even better, but that is, that's kind of one of those reasons even one frame of brood could make the difference between life and death in the wintertime if you don't have a lot of bees. So giving them that extra space was very crucial and very good for them to oh, go it through. Did good. It did well for them, very well for them. Now, on the rock hive, a lot of empty space in it a lot of empty space that's why i'm thinking i'm going to start feeding them pretty hard and wasn't a whole lot of food stores in there yeah there's so again um poor ken he, sometimes when he gives me a call he just can't win for losing so the <laughs> the first conversation start off and they were like well i was watching and i saw out there and i told him i said ken we don't do front porch beekeeping. You can't sit there and just watch the front porch of the hive and know. Because he might tell me one day, well, well, this colony was really, really busy and really, really fast. And they were working their tails off. And then the next day, it's like, well, I'm, I'm kind of concerned. There wasn't very many bees coming yeah, or going. much coming out. It can be used as an indication, but nothing surpasses physically doing an inspection. But so. You know we, when you told the story just a little bit ago about how you opened up the top. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Max was like, oh, looks like there's a lot of bees. And you were like, nope. 
John's going to yell at me. We got yeah. to we got to get in We're there the brood because box up. again, that's almost the same thing. Like on a top bar hive, mm-hmm. they have the top bar hives that have the windows. Looking at the front porch or opening the top and just peeking in and then closing it back mm-hmm. is the same equivalent as opening the window on your top bar hive, looking in there and going. Well, it looks like there's a lot of bees. I guess they're good. You have no idea if there's a queen. You have no idea if they're raising brood. You have no idea how much cat food stores they have. So you physically need to do your inspections. And and you're 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 getting good at it. But it's just funny because those first few conversations, well, we did this. I'm like, nope. Go go look in the hive. And I'll, that's always my follow up question. Did you actually look inside the colony? No. Well, do I need to feed that one? Did you look inside the colony? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so so now that you've looked inside that one. And you said, you know, there there wasn't a lot of food stores. Um, I'm probably going to give them a frame of honey. Okay, we're probably going to do that. Yeah. So you you you're wanting that balance. You're wanting that ratio. So since how they're in a single box, mm-hmm. what we're going to want to look at is that one's an eight frame, right? Right. Okay. So they've already got the majority of that open for them to do whatever they need to. Yep. And if they if they're still in the condition that they were when I saw them last, there's plenty of bees in there. They're doing good plenty on population wise. Yeah. So we're going to say they need four solid capped frames of food to make it through the winter. That's going to be their 50-50 point because they've got eight frames total. Mm-hmm. Most of them are open at the moment. We want to get them up to four. Mm-hmm. You can do that two ways for you because we did take out the extra frames and we froze no, them. we took out eight frames. Yeah, so you can go through there and you can put in a few frames of solid capped honey to make that difference, or you can feed them more. So this time of year, we've been talking two to one, mm-hmm. two parts sugar, one mm-hmm. part water. You do want to boil the water separately. Don't ever do it with the sugar in there. But you want to boil that water and get it super hot so that when you pour it into that double amount of sugar, it will actually dissolve it all down. And you get that nice, thick, clear, kind of Mm -hmm. amber-colored syrup going on. Go through and feed that to the bees. This is one of the few times that I'm going to tell you the opposite that you hear all the rest of the year. Usually it's no more than one quart. No Mm -hmm. more than one quart. See what they're doing with it. Now... For the winter time, on that last little stretch, that final mile, you feed them as much as they will absolutely take. If they've got enough bees. If you're still trying to raise some bees, you still want to follow the other rules and leave some space. But right now it is give them as much as they will take so they can fill up as many of those frames as they can and cap it off. Well, should I put a top feeder on that and take the front feeder off? You can. For the for this last couple of weeks, yeah, absolutely. You could put the top or feeder on Or just leave there. the top front feeder in there. I'd, I'd take it off because by the time winter comes, you need it off there anyway. Okay. So go ahead and get your full entrance bar, put it on the one-inch mm-hmm. opening, put that in there. Put a top feeder on it? put the top feeder on it. And pour about a gallon of syrup in I it. wouldn't go that far. Put about a quart and a half, two quarts. You can put two quarts. Okay. Put a quart in each side. And that's what I'll do. And then uh, and then see what happens. If if you do that, say say you go out there and you do that this afternoon because it's supposed to be nice and toasty here today. Mm-hmm. So, that's what I was planning on doing. Yeah. So you go out there and you put a quart in each side and then go and check them on Wednesday and see how much have they taken. Are both sides completely empty or is there a little bit left? If both sides are completely empty... Maybe go ahead and give them another quart each. And then next weekend, turn around and open the colony, go through and do an inspection and see, now what have they done? I know we had one capped frame of food and everything else was open. Now, do we have two frames of solid liquid and they're working on Mm -hmm. capping? And that's kind of how you can see that progression going, knowing what they're doing with it. Okay. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, in some areas of the country, they're, they're already getting snow. 
Other areas, they're down where their lows are reaching six degrees overnight and their highs are only in the 30s or 40s. So so winter is here for most of the, the United States. For us down here, it's supposed to be 90 freaking degrees today. No, no. Now, <laughs> you seen the weather where they're saying we're going into the... Oh, La I, don't, Nina. I don't even want to talk about that. No, we're going That's in, dirty talk. I know. We're going into a drought situation here. Was it for everybody because, or for just us down here? Texas. Oh, man. Yeah. Up, up north, when we go into a drought, your north, uh, the, the systems go up there and then come down the east coast. So they're going to get plenty. We're going to be dry. <sighs> yeah, we're not going to see the flowers like we did last year. Man. So... When I first moved to Austin, you guys were at the tail end of a historic drought where, like, Lake Travis, which is a huge lake down here by us, was literally 75 foot low. So, and that that was the peak of it. Mm-hmm. Around 2014... That's when it started that's, jumping. That's when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, yeah. you went for years where it was this historic drought. The lake was 75 foot low. Mm-hmm. And then in 2014, in the month of May... Mm-hmm. <laughs> One month, yep. there was so much rain yep. that the lakes went above a hundred percent. So they yep. they filled not seventy five percent, seventy five foot yeah. of lake level rose, and then they were over a hundred hundred percent capacity. Yep. It was insane. And then every year since then, Texas has had this monsoon season. At least Central Texas down yep. here. Every May and every October, torrential downpours, lots of rain, lots of stuff going on, and then this year. May was a little wet, and then we actually had rain all the way through July, which normally mm-hmm. we don't have. Normally that, that summer dearth sets in, but this time the summer dearth didn't start until towards the end of July, and then it didn't stop until almost the end of, of September. Yeah. And then we got, we've, we've gotten like two or three tiny little rain showers that last for five minutes each, mm-hmm. and that's it. So we, my goldenrod looks like crap. I, I posted a picture from the apiary the other day. It started off that beautiful bright yellow and then usually it turns to a golden color and it will stay that way for almost a month well i have the lower part of it is kind of golden and the top part almost looks like it's got mold on (laughs) it it's it's browning (laughs) and dying and it's not producing anything the bees are bringing in some Mm -hmm. pollen but there's not necessarily a lot of nectar they've got tiny little patches here and there Um, i have some other type of i don't know what it is there's some sort of native shrub and it's a, well, it's a taller, it turns into a big bushy tree, but it's, it's making, it's not your bee brush, but it's mm-hmm. making tons of tiny little white flowers, mm-hmm. but they're not in the tassels like the other. They're just all over it. And that stuff hopefully has something because those are littered in flowers at the moment, but the, the goldenrod's just not looking all that great. Bee brush is fixing to start blooming up in our part of the world. If we got, get got another rain. rain on this next th- storm or, or front that comes through, We'll have bee brush blooming, and that will be a big plus for us. That'll be good. It yeah. would have been nice. Normally in October, we get a lot of rain, and this year we, we just it's haven't. It's just been dry. And if you're talking about La Nina mm-hmm. coming in, that's going to suck because yep. that means that Drought. next year we may have to do more feeding than not, and if there's not a ton of flowers, um, Ken may not have any award-winning honey. <laughs> it's all right. Just, is, is keep my bees. Oh, uh, talking about bees. Uh, Are we talking about bees? Are you sure? Yeah, pretty is this sure. about bees? I just bought, I've got nine packages coming. So when are we going to be ready to do those? In April, I can tell you well, when we're going to yeah, be whenever ready. Yeah, they, whenever they come in. April, they'll be the first. The Corniolans, the six packages will be shipped April 2nd. The 
April 9th is when the Russians are coming in. There you go. Lots of bees. Yeah. So the we'll we'll wrap this up with my little story <laughs> of of uh, the robbing incident. Right. So, so we're on, back to that now. We well, yeah. have made us full circle. That's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> we we just circle back around on stuff. Okay. So what ended up occurring? I went out on Wednesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. Thursday of this week, mm-hmm. and I had to go do consultations for a new client. And I've I'd never been out there before, but they're right. Kind of, they're in the Wimberley area. Mm-hmm. They're literally right off of the river. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's their backyard, mm-hmm. which means that here a few years ago when that river flooded and houses washed down oh, the river, yeah. it was, this whole place was underwater. Yeah. Um, but they have bees out there now. And they've been having some issues. There were three colonies. One of them had died out, and then the other two were still there. So they called me out to come out and do some consultations. And while we're out there looking at them, we opened up the first one that was dead and we were going through and I was showing this is wax moth damage. You know, here's the spider web looking worm poop. This is this one is a lesser wax moth, the smaller one. This one over here is a greater wax moth, larger version that will devour everything um, here. You can see like what you and Max got to see. This is where they robbed out. The other colonies robbed out what was left when this colony died and it was all shredded and ripped open. And you can see all these different little aspects of stuff inside there. But while we were doing that, we spent maybe 15 minutes on this dead-out hive. There's not necessarily even any food in there. It's just open comb, but we exposed it to the air. That got the attention of a feral colony somewhere out there on this property. And this property is (laughs) massive. So then we move over to the first colony. And in—or sorry, the second colony. In both the second and the third colonies, for whatever reason, there was a frame missing— So it was like a 10-frame box, but it only had nine frames in it, and they weren't evenly spaced. It was literally like, here's seven frames, here's a blank frame, here's the eighth frame kind of thing set up, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this empty hole. And the bees, they don't like that, that invalidated bee space. So during the, the main flow this year... Attaching it to the roof, because these have migratory tops, so there's no inner cover. They attached the comb to the roof and drew out this perfect comb that went down right between all the other frames to (laughs) fill in that void. (laughs) So when I picked up the lid and I saw that, I was like, well, crap, here we go. So I have to take this out, and we had to remove that frame, that quote-unquote, that empty comb that had been drawn in that area. Well, that had food stores in it because it was in the top box. Mm -hmm. But we had to cut it off of there. Because parts of it had broken and ripped as we were trying to open the lid up. So now you've got honey exposed to the air, right? So it's on. We turned around. We got that one. We went all the way down through it. We found the queen. We made sure it was good. We put it all back together. And by the time we started on the third hive, robbers were already out there. The empty frames from the first colony that we had laid out so that we could take it all Mm -hmm. back because she was going to try to salvage what she could were covered. They looked like (laughs) the boxes had a colony in them. And then the other colony, you know, I was like, okay, this one we're going to have to go really quick because that last colony was testy and now we've got robbing going on. So we can't spend a lot of time. And of course, that one had a frame in it, too. So we did what we could. We went all the way through it. We did as much teaching and education as we could, put it all back together. And as soon as we put it back together and put the lid on it, you could see from the side and from the back all these bees hitting that colony. (laughs) <laughs> and they were flying in that uniform pattern, trying to find like a hole. fighter jets, trying to figure out how to get in there. And I was like, okay, so now this is robbing, and this is a bad thing, and this is what we need to do. But you absolutely have feral colonies out here somewhere, a lot of them mm-hmm. from the looks of it. Now, 
when we got it all fixed up, we took all of the things that we were going to allow them to rob out and mm-hmm. we moved it to the other side. This There's a farm out there. We moved it to the other side of the farm and we set it all out there so that the bees could rob that out. Then we drive out of the farm over into, they use this place for like retreats and weddings and I mean, it mm-hmm. is literally massive. It takes up a huge, I don't even, you know, there's almost, they're not mountains, but they're almost yeah. like giant cliffs yeah. out there along the river. Way up on the top of the cliff, there's a pavilion, and that's still part of all that land that they own. So we drive over to this kind of communal parking area, and there is a carport there, and there's a water tower there, and or an old water tank. And I pull up underneath the carport, and I'm sitting there waiting, and they're going through, you know, getting the check and everything so we can finalize everything up. And, and all of a sudden, my truck is surrounded by bees. And I got out of the truck to see, I was like, well, did when I moved the frames and boxes, did I spill anything on the truck, and are they coming for that? There wasn't anything, but they could smell the scent of bees because my <laughs> truck always has bees in it. So they're all around the truck. When I got out, I still had my suit on. So then they were all around me and they were doing the same thing. They were flying in that uniform pattern looking. Is there food here? They would land on me and walk around, but they weren't necessarily being aggressive, right. but they just kept being more and more. So I started looking and they were coming around that water tower. And I was, so I walked all the way around the water tower. I was like, are there, is there a colony right here that we didn't know about? And I just parked beside it and everybody's now riled up because over a quarter of a mile away, mm-hmm. we had inspected these colonies, a quarter of a mile. Mm-hmm. And then I drove out of there and I still have bees around me because all the bees in the area are so riled up so quickly because honey was in the air. <laughs> we started watching and they were actually coming from a wooded area on the other side of the road. They were coming over the top of this massive oak, swooping down and then parting around the water tower. That's why it looked like they were coming from the water tower and then coming down around the truck. And that just shows you how quickly something can get out of control and how potent both their sin of smell is and the smell of the honey on the air, how quickly it can rile up bees that are over a quarter of a mile away. That are hungry. And they can go quickly to find that. So, yeah. so now that whole area... There's bees looking, and when they're looking, they're they're frantic. They're just everywhere. There could be a drop here. Where's it at? Where's it at? You know, so they're just all over the place. So, did you get permission to put traps there? No, I didn't even ask. <laughs> Un- unlike you, <laughs> I would have traps there. <laughs> Somebody tells Ken a story about bees on their property, or they have hives out there, and he's like, "So, would you mind if yeah, I brought a couple, I bring traps a couple out of here? brood boxes out there with some comb in there, and I'll set it up?" Yeah, no. When when I have clients and they have their own, I did advise her. I was like, there are feral colonies out here mm-hmm. somewhere. So you, you know, she's like, well, I know way over in the other direction, there's an old oak tree that has a feral colony in it. But these were coming from the complete opposite direction on the other side of the property. <laughs> and she's like, well, I'll, I'll go hiking out through there and, you know, maybe I can I find it and pinpoint it. Um, but usually if, if I'm out there on somebody else's land and they have their own bees and stuff, I might alert them to the locations of things or, or give them things to be aware of and watch for. But... I didn't necessarily, I'm not going to be like, hey, yeah, so like, I'm going to bring this out and put it out there. So I have, I have more bees and I know what to do with too. So well, I know that. I I'd... also don't really chase swarms too much anymore. I'll, I'll pass those off to, um, Me. yeah, well, whomever, um, <laughs> usually members of, members of the local associations yeah. that are, that are looking to go do swarm capture because that's fairly easy. And the removals, the removals now, um, is many of them that are simple, like, you know, your water meters, your mm-hmm. outboxes, things like that. Jorge's doing more of those, and it, it's starting to take some of that off. And then I'm focusing on more of the mega structure things that you want to tear attention. crap up. 
well, it's just, it's my insurance policy, and I would rather be on site to make sure if anything okay. goes wrong, it can be corrected or doesn't ever happen. Okay. So I focus my attention on a lot of those things as opposed to the, the smaller stuff now. The, uh, what were we talking about? Robbing. Robin. Okay. Robin. So Rob, Robin? Like, like the bre- orange-breasted Robin? Robin? Uh, is it orange or is it red? Unless she was red. Red-breasted Robin? Red Robin. Red Robin? Red, yeah. Robins are red. But these are these are Robin bees. They are Robin bees. Yeah, okay. <laughs> when it's not red Robin's Robin bees, it's yeah. bees Robin Robin bees. <laughs> there you go. It's, it's bees a, Robin bees. We'll have, we'll, that'll be another one of the cartoon yeah. characters we can do is a, a robber bee. <laughs> that'll be a fun one to build up we'll there. Make him look like the Hamburglar? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Some cross <laughs> between that and a raccoon, and you know, he's, he's some sort yeah. of little pirated bee that runs around mm-hmm. and steals people's stuff. Give him a little gunny sack. Yeah. Stick well, stuff in. You know, I, I'll steal, honey. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we, we are definitely robbers when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, it's it's that time of year, and they're hungry, and they're wanting something, and somebody else has some that's, oh, there's some honey over there. Well, let's go see their honey. Yep. And then, uh, oh, there's not many bees in here, so let's just steal the hell out of their honey. Yeah. They are they are extremely hard workers, but when it comes to the their own colony. Very aggressive. Well, when it comes to no, their own colony, their own they're, colony. Very, they're very ethical with themselves. Yeah. But Agreed. then outside of that, it's every bee for oh, themselves. Oh, hell breaks loose. That's right. Yeah. And they are extremely opportunistic when it comes to honey. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, we are really hard workers and we can do all this. But if I can take that mm-hmm. and I don't have to do anything to it but put it in the pantry and lock the door, yep. well, I'm going to do that. Yep. They're efficient. <laughs> yep, very efficient. <laughs> so there you go, guys. That's uh, that's kind of our, our whole little robber episode. Um it might seem like it's a little late in the year, especially for you guys that are already basically in the clutches of winter, but it is something good to know and, and to have a hold of and to talk about. So if you guys do ever experience anything that you think is robbing, you know, better safe than sorry. You can follow some of those other techniques, put a robber screen on, cover up the hive if it's immediately going on right then until you can get something else to kind of help manipulate and fix that. And, you know, hopefully everything will go well. But definitely be careful when you do your inspections this time of year, both due to temperature and due to the actual potential of robbing. Don't do 30 to 45 minute inspections. You should be doing a 10 minute inspection. Go through, look. Yes, I've got brood. I see an egg or, you know, there's capped food stores. Excuse me. Whatever the point of that is, go through and do it quickly. Have your goal, have your purpose for what you're trying to do on that inspection. Get it done. Get in, get out. And then, you know, don't spill any sugar syrup, don't spill any honey, just make sure that you're as careful as you can be in your bee yard right now so that you don't entice any type of robbing. And do not open feed, especially in your own bee yard. Open feeding needs to be done a minimum of 100 foot. I tell people 100 yards, like a football field away, is the safe bet. If you put it anywhere near your colonies, those colonies are going to say, there's food right here. And also what's right here is all of your other colonies that are beside the other colony. Mm -hmm. So that also entices robbing. So don't do that. You know, feed directly into the colonies. Be careful. Don't spill stuff. So there you go, guys. There's your there's a robbing episode for you here towards the middle of October. Well, it's getting towards the end of October. And we still have you're still getting bonus episodes every week. And you'll have another one coming out this week. I believe this week's bonus episode is going to be our little bee terminology quiz. So we'll just have a a short, fun little bee terminology bonus episode for you guys that'll come out on Wednesday. 
Next Monday, we'll have another episode. We're going to do some uh, listener questions. We've gotten in a bunch of emails here this last week, and I'm sure we'll get some more that'll probably come in even after this episode. They just keep coming, but as long as you guys keep sending them, we'll keep answering them. So that'll be uh, not not this Monday, obviously, because you're listening to this now, but the next Monday after that. And then the bonus episode for that week will be on Halloween, and we will do our special Scary Bee Stories episode. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, Ken and I will be dressed as Twinkies. We'll have a, a special like little surprise yeah. photo for you guys that you'll get a kick out of. So we'll put that out there. And until then, uh, you guys be good. Be happy. Be safe. Don't rob bees. <laughs> Don't be a robber bee. Uh, I'll steal you, honey, though. <laughs> See y'all later. Be Bye. good. It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret, the Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening, and be safe out there.